Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to Thrive Deeper, episode 130. It's your old mate DJ Payne here. And on this episode of your favorite Bible podcast, our good friend Matthew Jacoby, our guide through the Bible and myself sit down and we finish off the book of of judges. Now we have got a lot of ground to cover, so if we go a little bit longer than usual, please forgive us. You might need to pack a lunch to get through this episode. <laughs> There's a lot to cover. Uh, we also want to remind you that we have a very special offer. This is probably the last time you'll hear about it here on Thrive Deeper. A very special offer just for you. So keep on listening as we share that one with you. All right, now let's grab our Bibles, open them to the start in the book of Judges, grab that copy of Thrive, the daily reading guide, and let's dive deep into this roller coaster of a ride that is the book of Judges. At the start of this podcast, let's just digress for a second because that's my job here. Yeah. Sitting next to you onto uh, and right next to your iPad with all your notes yeah. is a, a wrapper yeah. of something. Yeah, there's your yep. <laughs> the audio effect of the wrapper. Uh, an empty wrapper. An empty wrapper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think it was going to be an empty wrapper. I, I, I think I might have revolutionized your life. I've given you an old Aussie chocolate bar mm. classic, the Scorch Peanut Bar. How good is it? This... <laughs> This is the sort of thing that you used to go down when you were a kid in the 70s and yes. buy, and somehow you've found one. I this found is up there with like four and 20 pies and Chico rolls. Uh, <laughs> It's it's. I'm giving you health food as you start. You know the the podcast today is fueled by anyway. Yes, I'm fueled up on the scorched peanut bar. <laughs> scorched peanut bars. Yeah. yeah, this is not the uh, this is not the Aussie food uh, podcast. No, no, it's but not. any of our American listeners, if you really want to try one, get in touch with me. I'll work something yeah. out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is the uh, Thrive Deeper. We're doing the Book of Judges. This is our second episode. Uh, you know, of two episodes that we're doing on the Book of Judges. Now, if it was up to me, we'd be doing about six episodes. You know. Uh, Wow. Or, yeah. or more, yeah. because I just love this book so much. But I thought, Matt, uh, as we go into it, let's just do a really quick overview yep. for, and catch everybody up. The book of Judges, yeah, it's the seventh book in the Old Testament. It's uh, straight after Joshua. It is 21 chapters from about, you know, 1300 or so BC up to about 1000 or so BC, covering about, you know, three, 400 years around there. Um, we say that we we don't really know, the book doesn't really have an author ascribed to it. But in some of my study in the last couple of weeks, I found that most, uh, you know, Jewish scholars and early scholars uh, would say they would ascribe it to Samuel, you yeah, know, right, to, yeah. to the prophet yeah. Samuel, and that he yeah, as- that one, yeah. he um, assembled it later on in life, you know, as yeah. he as he was assembling different parts of, uh, you know, the scripture, blah 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 blah. And I think that might, who knows? I mean, we don't know. Yeah, the the one that I've heard is uh, slightly later authorship, and of course these these um, are not these ideas aren't um, mutually exclusive. Yes. So, um, there could have been an initial author and then a later editor. In fact, yep. there can be many later, later editors yes. um, as the story is recast. Um, so, uh, you know, I've heard this w- was sort of cast around the time of the monarchy as a kind of apologetic for, 
yeah. a united Israel exactly. under one king. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's what a lot of Jewish writers, because that's the thing, when, when Jewish scholars and rabbis, especially modern ones, write about these books, yeah. the scary thing for me is, is, and I'll be frank with this, they all don't believe that any of this stuff actually happened or right. any of these okay. characters yeah. actually are real. Yeah. They all, by not I shouldn't say all, but a lot of the most popular, you know, Jewish scholars and authors yeah. are like saying, this is fables and this is, you know, yeah. this type of stuff. So, they're always saying, why are we, why are we keeping these traditions? Yeah. And all of them say, we have the book of Judges to know why yeah. we have a monarchy, why the throne of David is so important. This is what happens without it. Yeah. I, I think um, it, it is it is written as as history, and I think there are you know it's obviously going to be very selective and very yes. condensed. Um, yeah. But there's no reason to believe that even in condensed form that this isn't referring to oh, things th that, that actually that happened. happened. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. I'm with you hundred percent there. That's why I say it's a bit upsetting to me to read some of Did these. Did I scholars. say no reason? To, no, no reason to doubt. Did yeah, I no, say that? No, 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 no reason, reason to not to believe. Yeah, no reason not to believe. What did I say? <laughs> I think you said that. Uh, I think I said that. We know what Just you meant. Sure. We know what you yeah. meant. Now, um, the last verse in the book, Judges 21-25, is pretty much the theme of the book. In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. That's the theme of the book of Judges. And then in Judges chapter 2, we get, as we outlined uh, you know, in great detail on our last episode, that the uh, there is a cycle outline line in chapter 2. If you want to go specifically, verses 16 to 19, the, the writer of uh, the book of Judges gives us a cycle that happens that basically is um, the people of Israel are oppressed by the people in the land. God raises up a judge. He saves them. Yeah. They have great success. They have peace. Then they start adopting the gods of the of the yeah. land. They, they, they are given to oppression and the cycle repeats. Yeah. Um, very interesting, interestingly, up until AD 450, so up until AD 450, the book of Ruth was part of the book of Judges. Right. Was like the yeah. epilogue yeah. at the like the, at the end yeah. of the book of Judges, and then yeah. it was separated and given its own. It yeah. was you know cut off and put it yeah, put right. it in the same book. Two major parts of the book. Uh, the first um, you know uh, fifteen sixteen chapters are all about the judges, mm -hmm. and then the final three or four chapters are. Israel without any judge, like Israel yeah. has gone so far yeah. down the hill that God is not rising up judges anymore. Yeah. And we have a really dark ending to the book there. Yeah. There's there's some suggestion that the structure of the book isn't necessarily chronological. Oh, totally. Um, yeah. it's, it's thematic because those chapters at the end, there's some indication from within the text itself that that may belong to an earlier yeah. uh, period of time. Um, but the, the, it's the, the, the sort of trajectory of the narrative totally. showing how things yes. got worse and worse and worse yeah. in the in you know in various areas and so it's it's a it's carnage, isn't it? it, it the book of Judges. It's absolutely carnage. So, so really quickly, we've covered some of the judges. I wanted to fly through them really quickly because I made a claim that I had read and I actually went away and studied it because I had making, I often come off half cocked and, and like <laughs> throw a claim out there. And then I go, hang on, I better actually go and study that. I, I, I said that some people had said, and I had read that there are basically 12 judges representing 12 tribes of Israel. Yep. Now, there are some people who still claim that, but actually going in and seeing what scholars have written and actually doing some study for yourself, which isn't that hard to do because yeah. there are chronological yeah. and, and genealogical things in the Bible, you know, yeah. saying this. There's a few judges we don't know. Not all 12 
tribes yeah. are represented at all. But really quickly, some of the judges uh, that we covered, and some are major and some are minor. Yeah. Um, Othniel is from the tribe of Judah. He's mm. he's a relative, either a nephew or brother of uh, of the amazing Caleb you know, best friend yeah. of Joshua there. We covered it off him. And then we had Ehud. Ehud is the, uh, you know, if you remember the story, the skilled left-hand warrior. He's from the tribe of Benjamin. Yeah. And I missed in in the first time through that uh, Ehud being the skilled left-hand warrior, the tribe of Benjamin, the word Benjamin means son of my right hand, yeah. my right-hand yeah. man. Yeah. So he's from the tribe yeah. of Benjamin, yeah. from the, you yeah. know, the right-handed tribe, and he's the skilled left hand. Um, Shamgar, who we don't know anything about uh, other than he killed six, 600 Philistines with a cattle prod, yeah. is from the tribe of Levi. Yeah. They've worked out that. Uh, Deborah, uh, Deborah, you know, the female judge, the prophetess, um, is from the tribe of Ephraim, Barak, who she worked with, was from the tribe of Naphtali. Yeah, um, Na- neighbors. Yeah, yeah, neighbors there, and and working working together. Yeah. Gideon, tribe of Manasseh. We'll get into Gideon today. Gideon's son Abimelech, you know, who is not really a judge, but sort of a judge, uh, is from the uh, from the uh, same tribe, obviously. Yeah. Tola, uh, tribe of Issachar. Uh, Yah, uh, or sometimes called with a J or a Y, depending on your translation. Yeah. Um, we don't know where he's from, we know he's something to do with Manasseh from the, and, and a lot of these judges are from Gilead, right? Yeah. Uh, 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 Jephthah, um, who we'll get into today as well, from Gilead. We yeah. don't know what yeah. tribe he's from. Uh, Ibzan, uh, the guy who had 30 sons and 30 da- daughters, and they married extensively throughout the uh, tribes from the tribe of Judah. Elon from Zabulon. Uh, Abdon, we don't know. Oh, no, no, sorry. Abdon, we do know. He's the guy who had the 40 sons, 30 grandsons who rode the 70 donkeys. Mm. Uh, Ephraim, uh, Samson, tribe of Dan. Yeah. And Samuel, Samuel's interesting. He's a Levite from from that lived in Ephraim because yeah. Levites yeah. didn't That's have their right. own yeah. place. So, nearly all of them represented. Yeah. You know, they're spread all over the place. Spread That's all right. over. And, but, and their rules... The, the, the times when they were in power could well have overlapped as well. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. So it's it's and and a lot of the judges, uh, you know, these God God rising up these these judges, these um, you know, crusaders, protectors, yep. whatever you want to call them, in Israel, they are you know, like you say. Different tribes, different areas, and also fighting different peoples, different yeah. enemies. Yeah. The enemies of these different warring tribes yeah. and kings coming in. That's right. And then at the end, fighting each other. That's that's, that's where the it gets point. the yes. Yeah, that's yes. right. We'll because get into it's, that. it's kind of chaos. Um yeah. uh, and then that chaos turns inward yeah. and starts to destroy the nation to the point when you know almost a whole tribe is in danger of being becoming extinct. So we've covered we've covered on the last episode episode we've done a big overview of the book of Judges and that's yeah. to bring you up to speed here. Um, it's an important book in the Old Testament history. It's really if we don't get judges mm-hmm. right, we don't understand why the kings are important and we don't yeah. understand you know the fact that they the Israelites did not obey the commands of Moses and Joshua yeah. Yeah. in the it's land. It's interesting though in the in the commentary on the different stories and and today we'll focus on some of the ma- the, the major judges. Yeah. Uh, they they're not always there's not a high degree of certitude around what the stories actually mean. In, yeah. in a lot of cases in, in Scripture, you know, in other books of the Bible, it's fairly plain to see what the author is doing, what, what mm. the role of a particular story is mm. in the broader narrative. It's not always as clear. Mm. Uh, now, there are some indications. 
Um, and there is a there is a clear big picture that comes out of the book of Judges, yeah. and that is uh, the, in a sense, the vindication of God, on the one hand, the vindication of God's commands. Yes, stick with me. Make sure you you know make sure you you drive out all of the peoples of the land. Otherwise, there'll be a snare to you. Yeah, any compromise will lead. Uh, with with the people will lead to your oppression. That's vindicated in this book. So mm. we see Israel not obeying God, be, being oppressed by the peoples of the land. But most importantly, we see God responding when that happens and they cry out to God. We see God responding again and again and again to their cries. Amazing. That's the amazing thing. Yeah. If this is, I mean, it's an amazing book of God's grace. Yes. You know, if you ever... If you ever doubt, will mm. God forgive me yet again, read the book of Judges yeah. and look how far they went wrong and God forgave them and restored them again and again and again. That's the big picture of the book. Totally. When you get into the details, this week things get uh, a bit messy. Yeah. Let's, shall we start with Gideon? Well, yeah. So, we've covered off, you know, roughly on the last episode, we've had a look at the first five chapters. Mm. Yeah. And so, in chapter six, we get one of the major characters who we actually, the story slows down and we get a, we get a few chapters about this coward yeah. named, named Gideon. Yeah. Well, uh, Gideon uh, Gideon's an interesting guy because he, as you say, absolutely, he's he's quite cowardly mm. at the start. He's an unlikely judge. At the end, though, he's highly vindictive and bloodthirsty. This is uh, yeah. he, he of, of questionable piety. There's this moment at the end of his life where you know he has a lot of military success, actually mm. by God's grace. Uh, the people want to make him king. He says, "No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be your king." Um, nevertheless, strangely, he has a son that he that he names Abimelech. Yeah. And do you know what the word Abimelech means? No. My father is king. <laughs> Abi, yeah. Abi, which is uh, my father, and Melech, which is the word king. Yeah. So it's. Um, it's a strange story. At the start, let's go to the start of the story. So, Gideon, the f- famous, uh, actually, uh, you know, story about Gideon is the putting out of the fleece. Yes, where 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 God um, asks him to, you know, th- cho- chooses him to be the deliverer yeah. of Israel against the Midianites. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, so we got the Midianites and the Amalekites, is it? The yeah, Midianites yeah, and, right, the, yeah. and the Amalekites who are so oppressive, yeah, so oppressive to the people, you know, the, to the tribes in this area, to the Israelites, that to do anything yeah. of any um, value, yeah. the people are in hiding. And that's where we discover Gideon threshing out wheat in a in a wine press, yeah. So, so he's hiding. He's yeah. hiding now. To thresh out wheat, we don't, re, you know, we don't live in an agricultural society. But separating the wheat from the chaff, you know, type of thing, you know, you hear Jesus or or you hear um, John the Baptist talk about a winnowing fan and that type of thing. You might see photographs. It's still done uh, or videos in in in. Um, you know, in some in some places around the world, to separate the wheat from the chaff, the ladies will have it often in a um, you know a big sort of uh, you know basket or a cane type of thing, and they throw it up in the air and they let the wind take the chaff away, yeah, and they catch the remaining wheat yeah. that they want to use for the things. Now, you need usually that's done in a windy place on top of yeah, a hill yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. It's so bad. Yeah. It's so bad for Gideon and his kin. He's down a hole, yeah. doing it down in a hole. Yeah, that's right. Working hard in there. And then all of a sudden, we get- Now, yeah. th- this is what I want you to comment on, Matt. Who visits Gideon down in this hole? 
Well, it's the angel of the Lord. And again, very interesting figure. In some ways, a kind of uh, physical uh, manifestation. Do we go as far as to say an incarnation of God? Um, because often the angel of the Lord will speak and and yet it'll be it'll be God speaking quite directly as yeah. opposed to just a messenger. Mm. Uh, it'll be in the Lord said this and the Lord said that, but actually, you know, it's the angel of the Lord. So, very interesting. He, when, when the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon, yeah. he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, to, to which Gideon complains. Yeah. And it's a pretty bold complaint. Uh, you know, pardon me, he says, but if the Lord is with us, why is all this happening? He has a, why, oh, yeah. oh I, well, if God's with us, why are we suffering so much? Um, and it's interesting that God could have brought back a much stronger complaint uh, against his people, but uh, God says, um, uh, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Midian's hand. I am, am I not sending you? Yeah. So, and of course, he goes through, how can I go? I'm the least of all. And yeah. no, I'm, you know. I go back and go, forth. I go right. back. But then he makes an offering. Yeah. He does He does an actual yeah. physical offering of, of goat and everything yeah. like that, which is, uh, to, now to me, does that signify, signify that, you know, this is where I get a little bit confused. Yeah. And I know, I know it's not painted in black and white for us, but is this, is this God in the, is, is this a theophany? Is this Jesus pre-incarnate who, you know, or, or is well, it, it, I, that, I don't that, know. That has been suggested. Yeah. And, and uh, there is, you know, there is only one God. So, um, uh, it's to, to speak of a pre-incarnate Christ is reasonable enough. Yes. Uh, but it's just, uh, we just have to go with what the text says. This is the angel of the Lord that is in some sense, identified as being God yeah. in in a in a physically manifest sense. Yeah. To the and point where to the point to, when, when he disappears, Gideon's like, oh well, I'm dead. Yeah. I'm dead because yeah. I've seen God face yeah, to face. That's right. I know that that's not, you know, you're yeah. gonna die. And then God says, Don't know, you're not gonna die, yeah, it's that's okay. Right. So that's in right. one so in one sense it is, but it yeah, isn't. Yeah, that's right. It's very yeah. strange. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um and then we have that uh, to you know to cut a long story short, we have this this moment where as he, you know, he's been asked to deliver Israel, and yes. uh, and he's assembled the forces, um, and the spirit of God has come upon him, <laughs> and so it's like, how much more could God do? But Gideon uh, wants to go through what actually would have been quite common uh, before battles in the yes. ancient world is to bring a diviner uh, and to either uh, to do something uh, to divine the will of the gods. Uh, is are the gods going to give us success? Yes. And Gideon goes through that the fleece thing uh, is is Gideon, and and this is what God bears with. It's interesting that God just bears with this. I'm glad you did this because I read this again and went, man, he's totally got a lack of faith. Here. Oh yeah, yeah. So he does the fleece thing. You know, yeah. if 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 you're really going to deliver us, yeah. then uh, make dew on the ground, but not on the fleece. Yeah. And then God does that, so yeah. God accommodates to that. Interestingly, uh, that that in a way is something of a surprise. But the fact that God accommodates to that actually is a bit of an indictment on Gideon, yeah. and, and probably uh, speaks loudly of God's grace. Okay, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go with this. This yeah. isn't what I want because <laughs> you shall not put the Lord your God to the test, yeah. as it says. Um, but God gives you know the fleece is dry. 
again, Gideon says, oh, just one more time. Yeah. And do uh, it th- this time reversed. Yeah, reversed. Make the ground dry <laughs> and the fleece wet. And that also happens. So, it's Gideon wanting to devise. I mean, and this is, this is interesting because uh, Gideon is so far away from the sort of biblical faith, the yeah. mosaic faith. Yeah. That God is prepared to speak to him through a medium that he's more familiar with. Yes. Now, this ultimately isn't what God wants. No. But nevertheless, God is willing to speak through this mm. to draw Gideon closer. And, yeah. and I think that's an interesting, that's an interesting example because uh, sometimes, you know, we can just assume God would never use this or God would never use it. I know p- people who have been brought to God through you know, things in other belief systems that have pointed them in the right direction and been part of something that God has spoken to, but ultimately to bring them to a true knowledge of God through Christ. But the point, yeah, I agree. We've all seen that, that God, I mean, God can do, He uses anything, even to the point, you know, again, the, the bigger picture here is, the point is, shows us how, how, willing God is to stoop yeah. to our level, yeah. Yeah. how his mercy and his kindness and his love wants to reach out to us, even to someone like Gideon, who has got a total lack of faith right from the onset yeah. and is very cowardly about what he's doing. And then we go into chapter seven, where he assembles the men yeah. and the, and a great amount of men turn up, 22,000 yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. to fight, to go into the, uh, to the army. And God again speaks to Gideon, I think trying to get Gideon to understand how who is actually going to win this battle, yeah, yeah. bringing us back to Joshua and Caleb's yeah. mindset of like, we can just go in there and God's going to find it for us. Yeah. We don't have to worry. So, God sort of has that echo. So, I love that first part where it's 22,000 men and God says, listen, tell anybody who's really scared and wants to go home that they can go home. No, well, I, I, I love the statement where he brings all his men and God says, oh, yeah, this is not going to work. And you think, yeah, there's not enough men here. There's not enough men for us to win. It's the opposite. God says, "Um, yeah, actually, there's too many men here to win this battle. Uh, We need less men. So so send all those who are afraid home. Anyone who goes home, uh, 12,000 of them leave. Over half. He's left with 10,000. And then then Lord goes... Too, still, still too, too many. many. <laughs> yeah. No, there's still too many. I can't. I can't work with this. Uh, oh, it's dear. too much. Too much human strength here. Uh, you need to get rid of some. And so he goes through this strange ceremony of when they go to the waters to drink. That those uh, who who lap. You know. Yeah. Th- depending on how they drink. Yes. They are separated out. And and again, there's some. You know, there's some debate as to is there some kind of meaning no, to I, the different ways, and, and and it's very inconclusive. But the the interesting thing is here, and again, I don't know because we don't live in this in this ancient time where these warriors w- would be filthy, you know, yeah. in, in in assembling yeah. and stuff like that. Only three hundred of these men, you know, whether yeah. they had, um, whether most of the men had. Uh, gear in their hands. Yep. They're carrying swords. They're carrying spears. They're carrying yep. shields. They're carrying whatever. So when they get time, time to thirst, when they get thirsty and they're down at the drink, most of them, in the overall majority, just basically put their heads in the water yeah. and drink like dogs. Yeah. And God says, all of them go home. The ones who are picking up the water and drinking yeah, in their yeah, hands yeah. keep them. There's only three hundred of them. Yeah, that's right. So there's three hundred, three hundred people, <laughs> and um, and then it's. 
you know, the, there's the, the, you know, the Midian, Midianite camp is there. And during the night, you know, God says uh, to Gideon, get up, go down against the camp because I'm going to give it into your hands. Yeah. But he makes a concession. Look, if you're afraid though, and we know Gideon, that yeah. he probably is afraid, yeah. go down to the camp with your servant, uh, listen to what they're saying, and afterwards you'll be encouraged, right? So, Straight away, it says, so he and his servant went down. To- <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's totally they're clearly They're clearly terrified. Yeah. And he actually hears, so God gives a Midianite soldier, and this is what he comes and he overhears a conversation, yeah. where God gave a Midianite soldier a dream yes. that showed the defeat of the Midianites yeah. to Israel. And he overhears one Midianite telling another this dream, and he realizes he realizes that you know that they've been given over. Now, I think it's significant here that that this dream isn't given to Gideon or someone in Israel. Yeah. That actually God is speaking to them through these pagan totally, peoples. Totally, you know this this again is something of an indictment on Israel that in order to get courage, yeah, they they God is actually you know it's actually going to be through. There's something. Almost, it's almost like uh, the the Midianites are more receptive, yeah, to this than yeah, the Israelites yeah. are. So and, I'm going to speak through them, and God will use anything yeah. that He wants to there. Yeah. So, so it's an amazing victory. You know, we yeah. go in. You know the story. They they have uh, jars, or you know, they have these clay jars over torches. They surround them. They break them. The Midianites and the Amalekites are just freaking out. They think they're surrounded. There's absolute chaos. And actually, Gideon sends words out to Naphtali, Asher, Manasseh. They all come. Warriors from everywhere come back. Yeah. They just wipe them out. And it's an amazing victory that God hands hands over to uh, to the judge, you know, Gideon. Yeah. And then it all goes haywire. Gideon, does it all go to his head? What is going on here? Well, he uh, he pursues these uh, he pursues these um, uh, these couple of guys, Zebra and Zalmona, these leaders yes. uh, of the opposition army. And and this is where he start. It does seem to go to his head, yeah, because he just becomes this vengeful uh, guy going through the land uh, when when people, um, you know, w- when he demands that people help him and they don't, uh, he says, "Well, I'm basically going to come back and and more or less skin you alive." I yeah. mean, this is where this book is really pretty uh, full on. Yeah, pretty full on. So. You think, oh, what? This guy's now a bit out of control. Well, I mean, the book of Judges isn't about, uh, you know, virtuous people, uh, you know, who are meant to be an example to us. It actually shows how God can use very crooked sticks to achieve the purposes that he wants with quite a lot of collateral, actually, uh, because of the, you know, so, you know, it shows how the problems in these leaders actually causes a lot of collateral damage. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, Gideon uh, refuses to uh, become their king. Yes. As I said, uh, his, uh, he says, neither me nor my sons will rule over you as king. Uh, Nevertheless, he Names one of his sons Abimelech, <laughs> but then he but then he requests gold from them, and you think, okay, yeah, well, yeah, he, yeah. he wants payment, but then he doesn't use it for payment. He makes a gold ephod. Yeah. Now, an ephod is a strange word to our ears. Yeah. It's got a mystical sort of things. We've heard it before with Moses talking about the priests and the tabernacle. Yeah, yeah. What is the ephod? 
It's a it's a priestly garment. Okay. Uh, quite. I mean, ephods were were uh, was something that in in ancient Near Eastern religions, uh, you know, different kinds of ephods signaled, uh, you know, some kind of priestly dignity. And okay. and and you know the uh, the priests in Israel were to wear ephods. So he makes. And un- really, an unauthorized uh, yeah. ephod that actually becomes—I mean, must have been amazing because it becomes uh, an object of worship. Yeah. For the so he, he, I mean, he's obviously using it for a certain time, but then he puts it up on display, and all the local people come to worship the yeah. ephod. And and let, I, I think it's important not to caricature this. It be- because he he has made a religious object that. For some reason, and and the reason it presumably is the same superstition that led him to go through that whole fleece thing. Okay, yeah. uh, and and it's you know he wants to make a religious object to provide some assurance, you know, and the people respond to that. Mm. You know, this is this ephod. Uh, this people are used to thinking in terms of divine power somehow resident in objects, whether they were idols or things or... Or even what it represented. It represented this amazing time where God came through for us. Yeah, that's right. As a people. And so, we get a theme. This is a theme here, you know, that we we have in the book of Judges. You know, it says here in, in chapter 8, verse 27, but soon all the Israelites prostituted themselves by worshiping it and it became a trap for Gideon. And his family. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's a that's a that's an ongoing theme yeah. here. Even with a judge. Yeah, that's right. Even yeah, with absolutely. a judge. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that basically is the story. I mean, we we have a we have a strange post story there in in uh, Judges chapter nine about his son Abimelech. Yeah, who is not an, a God ordained judge, no. but sort of gives us an idea of this crazy, you know. Well, well, he becomes he actually becomes king. Yes. So. You know, this is interesting because in the middle of the book of Judges, which uh, is, apart from other things, is showing the need uh, for a king. Yeah. For like an anointed, divinely anointed king for Israel. We have this story right in the middle of the book of uh, this son of Gideon Mm -hmm. who sets himself up by killing Gideon's other sons, by killing his brothers. Uh, he becomes king. Yeah. He makes himself king. Now, and so, this is, he actually is the first king in Israel. Yeah. You, we, we often think that, well, Saul well, is the first person that becomes king. Yeah. Well, here is this first foiled attempt. I mean, at least Saul had divine sanction exactly. at the start. Abimelech doesn't have that. He just makes himself king. And it's a gruesome story. Abimelech, I mean, Gideon becomes... We we and again, and so this is this is the story of Gideon as judge. Yeah. He is God takes him from an absolute nobody, the lowest of yeah. the lowest of the low, he turns him into somebody, uses him for something, and that all goes to Gideon's head. Gideon then takes on many wives, yeah. including a concubine, and for 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 you know um, our mind's sake, a concubine is basically a wife who is a who is a slave. It's a combination yeah. of a slave yeah. and a wife. Yeah, a, 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 a slave that you would have heirs with. Yeah, you know, a yeah, slave woman right. yeah. for you know. Yeah. So that's the concubine there. So he has seventy. Yeah. 70 sons, <laughs> 70, seven zero sons to all of these wives and to his concubine, to his yeah. slave girl, he has Abimelech. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, it's very interesting that A, he names the son of the slave girl 
Abimelech. Yeah. You know, my father yeah, is king. Yeah, yeah. And then and then what happens to the lowest of all of the sons? He rises up. He's very clever. Yeah. He rises up and gets the people of Shechem where they're living yeah. to say, make me ruler over you. I am Gideon's son, the great yeah. Gideon's son. Make me ruler over everything. I'll make everything hunky-dory. Yeah. They agree. He then kills all 70 of his brothers. Except he's, for Jotham. His half brothers, one of, and one of yeah, them gets yeah, away. Yeah. But he kill, But it's an interesting point. He kills them all one by one yeah. on on the same stone on the same yeah. place yeah. as the brother. It's a gruesome. Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's a, gruesome. a gruesome story. Yeah, you know, it's it's it's. But, it's, but it all it all collapses, and this is the because the interesting thing is, uh, Jotham. Uh, you know, he, there's the part of the story where Jotham uh, stands up on oh, Mount Gerizim and, and confronts Abimelech, you yeah. know, about this. And he, he declares this, uh, he declares this curse yeah. that um, uh, that fire would come out from the citizens and consume Abimelech and from Abimelech to consume the citizens. Yeah. And, and this, and, and it's interesting because you don't have an sort of literal fulfillment, but what you do have in uh, 9 verse 23 is uh, it says, it's interesting in the NIV, it says God stirred up animosity between Abimelech and the citizens of Shechem. Yeah. But in the literal translation of the ESV, and and this is what the Hebrew has, and God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the leaders of Shechem. I love it. So, it all implodes. Yeah. Because and this is what I think he means by fire will come out from you and consume and 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 and, and, and it's um, Abimelech's half brother, you know Jotham, who's is standing the one yeah. who got away and escapes. Yep, that's right. Who stands up there and says, "The proviso of the curse is if you've done justly, yeah. If you've done what God has called you to do, you'll be fine. Yeah. But, but if, if this not, is if this is not of the Lord, this is all going to come unstuck. Yeah. Well." He was it right. It comes unstuck. It comes That's unstuck. Right. Yeah. It comes unstuck. And it's a beautiful little bit of like a parable poetry, that curse that he that he announces on him, yeah. you know, talking about the olive trees, talking about the fig trees and everything like that. It's really rich there. And so, it does. It all comes unstuck uh, with Abimelech. And we read that, uh, you know, all in chapter nine there. It's an awful rebellion against <laughs> each other and they all it's wipe each other bizarre. out. And that's quite a bizarre story. So, we have Tola, we have uh, Jair, uh, perhaps is the yes. best way to say that. Um, yes. Uh, um, and then we get to Jephthah. Talk about another crooked stick. Oy, oy, oy. Uh, they're, they're getting uh, ever more crooked. Um, Jephthah is an interesting guy. He is the uh, the son of a of a prostitute who is rejected by his brothers. Yes, um, driven out into the wilderness where he basically becomes something like a bandit. Yeah, and a really fierce bandit. Like yeah. you know, this is a guy. This is basically a pirate. Yeah. You know, if you want to put it into a nautical yeah. type of thing, uh, so he's the illegitimate child of yes. a, you know of a of a man in in the um, a clan of where are we? Well, we know he's in Gilead. Yeah, of, of a Gileadite. Anyway, yeah, and and you know, and he's driven out by the legit, you know, by the heirs, by yep. the legitimate sons of this man. And but he, even though, so he is this fierce bandit, but when they they are attacked uh, by the Ammonites, yes. by the Moabites and the Ammonites. He's the guy that they, he's the guy that they call. I think yeah. he's got the, 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 the sort of grit yeah. to lead them against. And he says, oh, well, I'll do that, but I have to be your leader at the yeah. end. He's, he's a son of his father and a prostitute. His father obviously has some sort of idea of raising him with his other, other brothers. Yeah. Yeah. The other brothers want nothing to do with him That's because right. he's obviously trouble from the get-go. Yeah. He goes out and he makes his own 
band of warriors. Yep. He makes his own place. He sets up his own little mini kingdom, yep. married with children. Yeah, a gang of scoundrels yeah. in the NIV, they're, they're called, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it in the in the yeah. New Living Translation. It says, uh, a band of worthless worthless rebels. So, he basically <laughs> takes, the, takes the scum of society. Yeah. You know, every everybody else that you that the yeah. civilization rejects, yeah. come and work with me. And he's obviously a feared, yeah. feared powerhouse. He's a yeah. warlord. Yeah. And when when trouble comes, as you say, it's his own brothers who come to him and say, please come and fight for us. And he says, one provision, I become your king. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And 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 that and the and the amazing thing is he he seeks the Lord. The Lord gives him victory. Yeah. Amazing victory yeah. over it. But he seeks the Lord and makes a vow that shows you how far the people of Israel have fallen into yeah. knowing how to relate to God. Yeah, that's right. Let's go back to just to the start of the story. So, this is um, in response to the oppression from the Moabites and the Ammonites. Um, the Israelites cry out to the Lord. This time, it's interesting. There's a, there's a difference this time in that previously it's just said, and the Lord sent a deliverer. This time, the Lord replies. When the oh. Egyptians, the Amorite, you know, Ammonites and Philistines, Sidonians, you know, oppressed you, you cried out for help. I, you know, did I not save you from their hands? But you have forsaken me and served other goods, gods, so I will no longer save you. Mm. So God's actually now coming back with a re reply. Hang on. I've done this heaps of times before, haven't I? You know, this is, he's coming back and, and said, well, I'm not going to save you. Go and cry out to the gods you've chosen. Let mm. them save you when you're in trouble. Now, rather than just hearing that they cry out to God, what we hear is that they say, we have sinned, do do to us whatever you think best, but please rescue us now. So, they have to push, you know, they're pushing in a little bit more. They get rid of their foreign gods. There's, an, uh, there's, there's a measure of repentance this time. This is at the end of Judges chapter 10. That's right. And I just, and the, I, it's a stunning verse here in verse 10, 16. And it says, and, and God could bear Israel's misery no longer. Mm. Oh, man. You think they so Merciful. deserved, you know, they'd rejected God again and again and again, but God, the mercy of God comes back. So, and this is where, you know, okay, yes, God raises up uh, a leader for them uh, and uh, and it happens to be Jephthah, you know, and this is the very, they, in a sense, they get the leader that reflects their own spiritual state. And, and, and even mm. in the darkness of their spiritual state, the amazing thing is we get a letter that was sent from Jephthah, written by Jephthah to the uh, Ammonite king. And the letter is an amazing knowledge of the history yeah. of the Israelites in, you know, yeah. in the time of Moses. And actually a really significant um, demonstration yeah. of faith. Of course, we need to remember Jephthah is listed in Hebrews chapter 11 as someone who had faith. Yeah. And this is important. I think his name there is important because the, the point of Hebrews 11 is... Um, pointing to those who had faith, not necessarily those who are even good people. No. But no. because they had faith, that was the most uh, important thing. And his faith is, um, uh, is expressed in the fact that he is able to, you know, um, refer back to the scriptures, mm. to, to what really was a, to the historical records, to what was a precedent. Yes. You know, a, uh, by which Israel were uh, won the land, has legitimately a rightful, a won rightful, the land. Yeah, a rightful claim. That's right. He's basically saying, "Look, this is a rightful claim. You can't even deny this. Yeah. You know. So let's decide what to do. Is it Israel or your people? And it almost seems like he's willing to say to to this Ammonite king, "We can work something out. 
let's work something out here. Yeah. But the Ammonite king doesn't want anything, yeah. anything and his, to do with his them. confidence, you know, th- there's a level of confidence yes. that he draws from the fact that there is a precedent that this is rightly God, this is part of the land that God has given us, okay? Mm. And so, and and this is what, my, and, and not only that, so yes, he has faith in the fact that, you know, this is, God has given us this land, so, you know, the Lord's going to help us. Not only that, but it says, you know, when the king of Ammon pays, no, and by the way, we're talking about the territory East of the Jordan River, yes, uh, and uh, so which which was initially given to Israel when they were travelling, still wandering in the desert, mm-hmm. and when the peoples, the Moabites and the Ammonites, uh, they actually went to war. They went to attack mm. uh, Israel. That you know, Moses. Uh, wrote to them asking them for pe- peaceful passage, said, we're not going to take stuff. Uh, they not only denied that, but they attacked Israel. As a result of that battle, Israel legitimately won the land. God gave uh, Israel, yeah. uh, the, the, you know, gave the Ammonites and the Moabites uh, into the hands uh, of Israel and the territories, right? So, there was a sense. And then they were given to half of the tribe of Manasseh, uh, Gad, Gad and, and Reuben. Yeah, were the tribes those on uh, that tribes, east side? Uh, on that east side. Okay, so so the 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 the, the Ammonite king saying, "Hey, you've taken our land." Mm. Jephthah saying, uh, "No, mm. uh, actually, no, we haven't unjustly. You attacked us, yeah. and God gave us, uh, you know, a power over you." Yeah, uh, and so that's where his faith. Then, then the spirit of the Lord comes upon him in power. Yeah, so, so he's empowered by the Holy Spirit, and this is what makes his action. Crazy. Of crazy that he says, um, uh, he says here, he makes a vow to the Lord. Yeah, this is in, that's right uh, in, the, in verse thirty. Yeah, and Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. Now this is not God didn't ask for a vow. No, but this is again like Gideon. This is very typical pagan practice. This shows uh, how how this pattern this way of doing things was so entrenched mm-hmm. into these people that as he's going out to battle, right, he has faith in it. He's got the legal precedent. He's been empowered by the Spirit of the Lord, but he's so habituated to this way of thinking that he makes this vow and he says, if you give the Ammonites into my hands, whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I triumph and return from the Ammonites will be the Lord's and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Now, I think he knows that it'll probably be one of his. That'll probably be his daughter. I think he really. I think he knows this. You don't think he had a faithful dog uh, that would run out and meet him every day, or he, no. had, a, he had a wife that he was sick of, well, or a slave, or no, something. No, you know? I, well, um, he he is, and and the, the reason why I think this is because um, this the pra- highest form. Yeah. If you wanted to yeah. win the favor of the gods yeah, this in practice, this part of the world. Yeah, yeah. What you would do, and that's, this is what they did before significant battles, significant moments, yeah. the, the, the greatest offering that they would offer would be one of their children, yeah. uh, child sacrifice, which was abhorrent to God. It's arguably one of the purposes of the story of Abraham and Isaac, when mm. Abraham offered Isaac on the mountain and God provides a lamb, mm. is that God was saying, Abraham, appreciate the devotion that you are prepared to go this far, but I never, ever want yeah. you to do this. Yeah. You don't have to do this to win my favor because God has provided a lamb. So, uh, Jephthah makes, is in this situation, makes this vow in, in, in a imprecise, ambiguous way, yeah. perhaps to leave it that, uh, you know, just to leave it a bit open maybe. Mm. Uh, but I, I, I think that he knows 
you know, this isn't- So, it's almost like he's been infected with the virus of the people around him. The, yeah. The, yeah. The, you know, the, 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 you know these, these awful practices around yeah. him. He's been infected by the culture. He go, he does something- But he's leaving it a bit open. You know what I mean? It's, it's not- Having his cake I'll, and eat. I'll, yeah. He's like, I'll have my cake and eat it and whatever. And I'm going to make this bargain, whatever runs out of my house. And, and it's almost like God's just takes his hand- like. Yeah, that's your. You, you decided, are gonna, Yeah, that's you. That's on, this one's on you. And of course, he wins the battle, his, and it's his his uh, daughter, it's his daughter that that runs out. Comes running out, singing, dancing, story. and his daughter is the noble one here. I mean, yeah, Jephthah yeah. straight away tears his clothes, is heartbroken, and his daughter says, "No, no. If you made a vow to the Lord, let, you know we will keep that vow." Yeah. And she, you know, she willingly goes through it, and then she takes her friends. They have a time of mourning um, because she's, you know, hasn't, you know, she's not married yeah. to anybody, um, and and becomes a tradition in yeah, that area yeah, yeah. where where the young girls would go into the mountains for a few days and and mourn and mourn their story. Weird, weird ending. And this is where, yeah. again, we're moving through it. As we go through these uh, major judges, it gets stranger and stranger as it keeps on going. Yeah. Gideon started well, ended not so well. Jephthah, uh, what is going on there? Yeah. And now yeah. we get to the weirdest one of all. So let's take a quick break here on Thrive Deeper and we get to the most famous judge and the one who is the most ornery and weird out of all of them in just a moment here. there fam it's your old mate dj i'm going to be really quick here you're you're looking at your podcast player right now and you're going holy moly there's so much more to go this is a really long episode so i want to be quick i want to be quick okay so let's do this really quickly head over to thrivetoday.tv you know our website thrivetoday.tv you'll see up the top listeners special offer click on that grab a hold of Kobe's video series for the Deeper Places study. It's an amazing study that's going to bless the cotton socks right off your feet as he goes through the book of Psalms and how God calls us into true, authentic spirituality in that book. All right, hit that. Use the coupon code THRIVE. It's really simple. Coupon code THRIVE and you will get 50% off. Half price. Half price. It is finishing soon, so do it now. Thrivetoday.tv, listen to special offer, use the coupon code THRIVE, and you get 50% off. Do it, you won't regret it. All right, let's get back into the book of Judges here on Thrive Deeper. Deeper. It's your old mate DJ Payne here, together as always with fellow traveller 
and Bible fanatic as myself, Mr. Matthew <laughs> Jacoby. We're in my one of my favourite books of the Bible, Judges. I know I say that about every other book, but we're, we're, we're flying through this last part of the book of Judges, and we're going to basically skip over chapter 12, where Ephraim and, and Jephthah fight. We've got Ibzan, another judge. We've got Elon, another judge. Abdon, another judge. And then we get to chapter 13. Mm. And this is something significant. And even the tale of his birth is very significant. Yeah. The birth of Samson, the Judge Samson. Basically, almost the final of this series of judges. We'll have Samuel sort of filling the gap of the final judge. But Samson is the most famous one. We've yeah. all grown up on some sort of Sunday school book yeah. of Samson, some movie that we've yeah. seen of Samson. It's a crazy story yeah. in, in a crazy book. He's, the, he's like the, the culmination, the crescendo of yeah. the judges here. He's the crescendo of the judges and he is without a doubt the worst. <laughs> yes. Absolutely the worst. This guy is but also, off the hook. But also, dare I say this, he's one of the most enjoyable judges. This guy is yeah. a character. He's awful, but he's awful in, a, in an enjoyable way, yeah. even in the way that the book presents him as not a hero- but there's something hilarious about them. There's a rapscallion sort of sense of him that you can't help but go, oh, you know, he's, he's, our, he's, a, he's the rotten egg that we're fighting for. Yeah. In, in a way, he, he and, and this is, uh, I mean, even the way that this is set up, because there's this miraculous birth, you yes. know, and, uh, you know, and there's an appearance of the angel of the Lord and, uh the, the nature of the events here, again, when you see strange things happening, uh, particularly, you know, he's he's set apart from birth as a Nazarite. Now, a Nazarite was a certain vow that you would make and you would, um, and, and he was dedicated as a Nazarite from his birth. Okay? Yeah. Part of the vow, Nazarite vow, uh, it was like an ascetic mm. vow, which means that you denied yourself certain pleasures and, and in order to devote yourself to the Lord, right? Uh, and that would involve not drinking wine um, uh, and cutting your hair and, uh, and, and basically living a particularly holy life. Yeah. All of that which he breaks, okay, all, all yeah. of the elements of his vows, including, you know, he has a drunken feast, he sleeps with a prostitute, yeah. he, you know, allows his hair to be cut, you know, um, it, 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 it all goes wrong. And I think here, and I think part of the thing here is I think in a sense, Samson, rep and I, this is how often these stories work, Samson represents the state of the people of God as a whole yeah. at this time. He, he, is, he is Israel yeah. at this time, dedicated from birth mm. to God, um, made to be a holy people, yeah. but who break their covenant and because and this is this is why I think this is significant in this being the last story. Yes. Who because they break their covenant are um are bound, are oppressed. Yes. Um and remember the hair cutting mm -hmm. incident, you know, mm -hmm. he allows his hair to be cut and so he's bound. Uh and yet in the end, even though the covenant is broken and he's bound, yet through that, God yeah. still defeats his enemies yeah. and comes through. Yeah. That is the story of Israel. Yeah. It, and, and, and dare In I the person of Samson. That's going to explain a lot when you read the story, this weird story of Samson. Yeah. When you recognize that there is some kind of, Samson is, is sometimes referred to as a prophet because 
he he is he embodies a message I, exactly. And dare I say it, you know, he often embodies us. Yes, in our in our walk with God and what we want to do here. Yeah. Now, chapter thirteen. I, I I don't want to spend a lot of time in chapter thirteen, but chapter thirteen isn't really about Samson. Chapter thirteen is yeah. about Samson's mother and father, yeah. and this is a theme. It's a theme that we know well uh, as we as we begin to go through the Old Testament. Yeah. This is one of the first first instances of it where there is a couple that cannot have a child. Yeah. God comes that's, to them. See, to me, that's part, part of what signifies yes. something special about- Because- any, any narrative that begins yeah. with the miraculous conception yes. of this child, there's something significant and about an angel, that person. And an angel coming and seeing the, seeing the couple. Yeah. And, and that's why it also indicates that there's probably that there's something prophetic yes. about this person. Because immediately the Jewish reader goes, oh, this sounds like Abraham and Sarah. Yeah, that's right. You know, and the and for us, you know, these yeah. years later, later, we go, oh, this sounds like Abraham and Sarah. Sounds like the birth of John the Baptist. Sounds like the birth of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like the birth of Samuel. It yeah, sounds like, you know, right. there's yeah. all these stories that come to mind yeah. about this. But this is almost God saying- I can promise you all this and do the miraculous. You still have, like, you're yeah. not a robot. Yeah. You still have the choice. Yeah, that's so, right. what happens if God does something miraculous, yeah. gives the people what they, you know, what they're asking yeah. for, and that person turns out to be an absolute monster? This yeah. is the story of Samson. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. And so, uh, so the, the first thing we, we see is that, um, uh, so it says actually that, you know, he grew, uh, they had this child, Samson, he grew and the Lord blessed him down in 13 verse 24 and verse 25, it says, and the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him while he was in uh, um, this place um, that I won't try to pronounce. <laughs> then, you know, we're told in, in chapter 14 that he went down to Timnah and there he saw a young Philistine woman. Okay, and this is when the this is his first, you yep. know, an intermarriage was one of the primary things that God said, "Do not do in the land." This is, yes. you know, where this is quite prophetic because one of the first the first action yes. of uh, Samson is to uh, fall in love with this uh, Philistine woman, and we see this as a repeated thing, and he insists actually. Yeah. Even though his parents object, he insists on yeah. having her. So we see see here, we get a bit of Samson's personality. He is a rash individual. He's yeah. driven by passion. Yeah. And this is something we're going to see time and time again. He has a, uh, a what, do we, what do we call it? He has a sexual appetite yeah. that is like, I've got to have it. And I've got to have, you know, and he, yeah. we see this time and time again with the relationships he has, the prostitutes that he's with and everything with Samson. Yeah. Yeah. It, it sort of signifies everything else. That's, that's right. going on as and well. And the interesting thing, he's being protected. So as he's going down to to his uh, Philistine, you know, to marry this Philistine woman, they get attacked by a lion. He is given the strength. God, says the spirit of God comes upon him, and and he's given the strength mm. uh, to tear this lion apart. So God actually uh, is protecting him, even even in the midst uh, of his sin. So. Uh, of course, the, the famous story is, you know, he marries her and then on his way back, the lion carcass is there and it's mm. got honey in it. Yeah. And again, in, you know, to Jewish sensibilities, eating out of a carcass, yes. this is a carcass and yeah. he's, he's a Nazarite, yeah. right? And you are taking food from the midst of a carcass. That is the absolute epitome of, um, of uncleanness. Yeah. In Jewish uh, sensibility, 
Yeah. Uh, but not only, and this is a, this is another significant part well, of the Israelite story. sensibility, according to the law, I yeah. should say, not just tradition. Yeah. yeah. And not only does he, not only does he make himself unclean, he gives it to his yeah, parents. That's right. He yeah. gives the honey to his parents. Doesn't yeah. tell them where it's from. Yeah. And it goes on. Then we get that classic story where the the Philistines, the people he wants to marry into, they go through this weird ritual of of a, of a riddle, and and he, you know, he 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 makes some crazy rash thing, uh, you know, promising them, uh, you know, if you can solve my riddle, he's very clever riddle, uh, in the in this marriage celebration, I'm going to promise you all these things that he can't give them. He can't, you yeah, know, yeah, festive yeah. clothing and money and yeah. all this other stuff, you know. And they go, okay, okay, let's hear a riddle. And he comes up with a riddle. Out of out of the one who eats comes something to eat. Out of the strong comes something sweet. Yeah. And they're like, what the? They have no idea. And and then we get the we get the precursor here. You know, it's the they use the wife, yeah, wife to be to get the yeah. information from him. Yeah, that's right. So th- and this is a bit of a theme in the story. It's, yeah, it's the. You know, it's the pagan woman that he yes. marries that becomes um, the. How would you say uh, the 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 kind of um, the the uh, the explosive you know um, link here that um, brings him down? Yeah, really. Uh, yeah. It's it's the it's the thorn in the side. It's the you know it's the it's the snare. She becomes. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, she becomes the snare. This is you know this is what God said to His people. If you go in and you intermarry with these people, they will ensnare you. Yeah. What happens here? Well, she ensnares him in this case because she tells them the secret of the riddle. And and, it, and, it's, and it's a classic story. I love this story. He because, loses his temper as well. Oh, yeah, big, yeah. I, I love this story because we often tend to read some of these pronouncements from God and judgments and curses and everything from God as something mystical, you know, type yeah. of thing. But no, it's very practical. It's incredibly practical. He marries a woman who does not share his beliefs. Yeah. She's loyal to her people. Yeah. And she manipulates him with crying yeah. and nagging. It literally yeah, yeah. says, you know, he could not handle the nagging after one yeah. week. Yeah. He could not handle the crying and nagging because he would not tell her the answer. So, he finally, finally tell her. And then we get that classic line. The classic line, when they give him the answer, Samson replies, if you hadn't plowed with my heifer, yeah. you wouldn't have solved my riddle. Which is a yeah. horrible way to refer to his wife. But again, it shows you his, his like one minute, he's so passionate. He, yeah. he defies his parents. He defies tradition that he's got to yeah. have this woman. Yeah. woman. After he makes the arrangements and everything is said and done and he's unpleasant with her, he, he, he's, he's, he's not happy with yeah. her anymore. She's now a heifer in his sight. Yeah, that's right. He hates her. Get yeah. rid of it. like it's it's this. Well, they give him they give her to someone else. Yes, and he's going to come back later and uh, and and get her back. Oh yeah, yeah, it's awful. And he ends up killing people to give him. You know, yeah. it's that whole thing. You know, I'm going to promise yeah. you thirty outfits. Okay, well you got it. So I'm going to kill thirty men and give you their outfits. Yeah, that's right. It's a horrible, yeah. horrible thing. Yeah, and he takes vengeance on the Philistines in chapter fifteen. It goes on and on and on. Yeah. Um. He he then you know kills people with the jawbone of the donkey. It yeah. just is. It's story after story of just horror yeah. with this and, guy. And look, and, uh, but through this, God is uh, exact, you know, God is bringing trouble on the Philistines who are oppressing them. You know what I mean? So, yes. so God is, because the, the covenant with Abraham was those who curse you, I will curse. Mm. So, even though Samson's out of control, yeah. he's wreaking a lot of trouble on yeah. the Philistines. You know, they're, they're, uh, they are in a sense reaping that Abrahamic curse. 
and this is an important point to remember because we can get confused here. And I think this is what I don't want to. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings here. This is what really simple Sunday school Bible not Bible knowledge yeah. sort of does. We end up reading the story of Samson Delilah. Or, you know, so there's the story yeah, of Samson yeah. and we sort of make it into a Sunday school lesson and go, oh, God is happy with Samson or God, yeah. Samson is God's hero, you know, yeah. hero. Of, it's yeah. like, no, 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 no. no. Yeah, that's right. God is using him despite himself. Yeah. That's you know, right. in, in a miraculous because, way. Because of God's faithfulness to his people. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, well, because, and be, well, I should say, because of God's faithfulness to his covenant with Abraham. Yes. Yes. Uh, that... His, that these people, the Israelites, carry. Yeah. And so we see the Abrahamic curse, those who curse you, I will curse. Uh, Samson, despite himself, is, is an instrument for that yeah. uh, For that curse. He is being protected uh, to do God's will. But in the meantime, he's it's such breaking strange, every, every oh, command. And, and, and It's such a strange yeah. relationship. It yeah. says so much about God's character and his mercy and his love that he continually looks after Samson. Yeah. And there is a relationship between Samson and God here, even though at times God must be so heartbroken over him. Yeah. You know, he looks after him, gives him springs of water, gives him all these different things. And then, you know, we get the Gaza Gate story, you know, Samson doing all this crazy stuff. And then we meet Delilah. Yeah. So again, he f- falls in love with uh, another Philistine woman. Yeah. Um, and she, uh, again, is used by the Philistines. This mm. is Delilah. Mm. You know, he's, he loves this Delilah. Th- and this becomes his weakness. Yes. And again, the message here is, this is, remember, this is a kind of prophetic message about Israel. Um and God's warning, if you intermarry with these people, if you adopt their, you know, if you form covenants with them and so forth, they will certainly be a snare to you. And what we see is that Delilah is absolutely a snare to Samson. Yeah. So, so the Philistines- And the Philistines are sick of him because they've been dealing with Samson for about, who knows, 18, 19, 20 years by this stage. Because yeah. Samson was a judge. We know Samson yeah. was a judge for 20 years. Yeah. So, they've been dealing with this- Thorn in their side, this crazy man for that long, yeah. and they will do anything. And so That's Delilah right. is is an amazing opportunity. Yeah. So so they come to Delilah, and they say, "Listen, you need to tell us what is the source of Samson's strength." Now, I think it's important to be clear here because w- we live in the age of superhero movies. Okay? Yes. Yeah. This isn't like superhero strength. Uh, yeah. Like well, like he, he's not like a superhero. No. You know, the Spirit of God comes upon him at certain moments to yeah. do certain things. God is his strength. Yes. Okay? It's not like he's some kind of super Superman figure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the, the point is, is that they come to Delilah, tell us what we can do so that, um, uh, so that he, he will in some ways alienate himself yeah. from, from God, you know, yeah. to, for, and from that strength. I, I mean, I'm putting it like that lest we think that... Because of course, the the famous it's the story is famously about the cutting of the hair. Yeah, as though the hair, the hair was magic. Yeah, the yeah. hair was magic. There was yeah. not, nothing magic about the hair. No, um, it, the the story is uh, is meant to show how God is Israel's strength. But by breaking, but when Israel broke their covenant with God, they lost their strength. Yeah. to defeat the nations, and instead they were oppressed by the nations. Yeah. That's the story that's yeah. being told here, right? So there's a pr- bigger prophetic story. Because we might say, oh, well, why not before? Why didn't he lose his strength before when he obeyed, uh, you know, when he disobeyed God or when he yes. did those other things and was ceremonial, unclean, and so forth? No, because this is, there's a prophetic message here. Yeah. And the prophetic message is, is that Samson's, the, the, you know, 
this this woman that he mm. falls in love with and binds himself to that he shouldn't have. Yeah. She becomes the snare that who ends up cutting his hair, yes. drawing him into unfaithfulness, yes. which leads to him losing his strength. And it's almost like this is the last part of the Nazarite vow that he hasn't broken. Yeah, that's right. Like yeah. This is the last thing that, that Samson himself yeah. in his heart is holding on to. Yeah. Samson himself is holding on to this part yeah. of the Nazarite's vow saying, no, this is, I'll, I'll defy myself with women, with unclean things, with this and that and everything else. But this, this is the thing that I'm going to hold yeah. on to because I believe in my heart, this is, signifies a relationship. So when he finally hands that over to yeah, the enemy. It's the last thing that he hands over. It's the last over. thing that's he right. hands over. The enemy uses that against him. And I'm sure. And he knows, doesn't, because yeah. he goes through this thing where he makes up something. Yeah. Uh, if I'm tied with seven yeah, cords, yeah. and then she ties him up, yeah. and then there's something else, and she, and each time, each time, so you know he, he's able to break out, and yes. and and the the you know the plot is forward. So, so he's done this twice. He knows that she's working against him, yeah. But he, and so again, the reader says, "Why would you do this? Yes. Why would you tell her?" Yes. The real secret, when you've already tested twice, knowing that she is going to betray, she's betrayed you twice, right? Yeah. This is the story of the book of Judges. Yeah. How many times <laughs> has Israel turned away from God? Yeah. You know, uh, how many times have they turned to the gods of the nations and bound themselves to those gods? How many times? Many more times than those two times that uh, that Samson does that. And he, and, he, and, he, and when it happens, when they cut off his hair when he's fast asleep, he thinks... He doesn't realize that the Lord has left him. Yeah. He thinks he's going to be able to do it again. Yeah. But no, he realizes, oh no, I've gone too far. Yeah. God has finally left me. God has yeah. finally, I've finally gone yeah. too far. So the Philistines finally take, and it's a horrific thing. They pluck out of his eyes. They put him into, you know, slavery. They they have him, you know, as this almost like a, a zoo exhibit. Yeah. You know, saying, look, yeah. this is the great, you know, yeah. Yeah, right. Israelite Samson yeah. who gave us grief for 20 years. Look at him now. And then we get the final story where they bring him into the temple of their yeah. of their God. They don't realize that his hair has begun to grow again. And again, it's not about the hair. It's yeah, not about, yeah, it's right. not about yeah. the hair. It's about Samson's contrite heart yeah. at the end saying, please, God, yeah. let me just have this that's one last picture. Yeah. That's right. It's that yeah. cry from, it's so, uh, this story is so rich. I mean, yeah. even the, um, even the, the you know the amount of times where you know she says what's the secret of your strength and you know he comes up with his stupid things you know well if you tie me with seven you know and she does that overnight and yet yeah. you know and 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 then there's it happens again and then he still gives away the secret it just sums up the foolishness of Israel it's like you know that if you do this you will be oppressed you know. So we see Samson embodying Israel, but then, and and this is that's this is why I love the climax of that story. When he cuts his hair, he's taken and he's taken into the temple, right? Mm. And when he receives his strength, that last cry where he says, "God, you know," it's again showing God's willingness, even when we go that far, right? The last mm. sort of, you know, he breaks that last vow, even after so many warnings, even after knowing that she would do that, right? You'd think that God would say, "Mate, you are so stupid. Yeah. You knew that this was <laughs> what the, you know," yeah, and, why? and yet, even at that last cry, God answers Samson. Yeah. And Samson pulls, and this is significant, I think, pulls the temple of their gods, that yes. this temple actually pulls the temple down on top of the people. And himself. A and himself. Yeah. You know, so so he is, um, you know, he's. Th this is a, 
and that would have spoken loudly of gods defeating the gods of the yeah. Philistines. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, he's basically so. There's the story of Samson, the last judge, mm. a twenty year rule there, um, and a- absolutely horror. And that's the that's the end of the section of the book of Judges. And we've left ourselves no time to go to the to the final part. These last few chapters, um, you know, it covers the the period of Israel, not in so much in time, but in the structure of the book of what happens to the people when there is. No judges. Yeah. We get the crazy story of Micah and his idols. You have to read that in um, you know, chapter 17 and 18 with the tribe of Dan and the Levite. Yeah, let me in. let me just summarize this because I think Go it's, quick, it's important. Go quick. So basically I mean summarize the meaning. So yeah. basically this shows how one man decides to melt down a bit of silver, create an idol. There's a Levite that comes, oh, you can act as my it's one household, right? Yeah. One household. From that one household, yes, a whole Tribe is corrupt. Yeah. I mean, that's a, you know, and, and so it's it's basically a story that shows how one thing leads to another. Yeah. And one person doing the wrong thing leads to the corruption of a whole tribe. Then we get the story in chapter 19 of- One of the uh, most horrific stories this, in the Bible. This Levite who, um, you know, goes to get a, a concubine back uh, and he's, you know, a concubine that's run away from him. Uh, she comes- uh, she, he goes to her, she runs back to her, her father's household. He goes to get her. On the way back, he goes through this um, through this town. Uh, so they go to Gibeah. And we have this terrible story about the people of Gibeah coming and, you know, saying, bring out this stranger. I mean, it's first of all, no one, no one uh, gives him shelter. Yes. And then the townspeople come out. It's very much like the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And I think yes, it's meant to definitely. Uh, it's meant to kind of evoke memories of the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. 100%. Same thing. Uh, bring out this guy so that we, you know this is your visitor, so we can have sex with him. The townspeople are going to gang rape rape this guy. You know, instead they they put outside. I mean, this is terrible, and it's not saying that this was good, but they put the concubine out, mm. uh, who was basically you know raped and it's killed. It's a terrible story. Yeah, he cuts her up. Talk about the climax of this yeah. book of absolute carnage. He cuts her into pieces, sends the pieces to the different parts of Israel. Then you then then you have full blown civil war. They come in and and they you know there is this you know look and it's ironic here. Israel is united. This is the only time in the book of Judges we see Israel united under any cause, yeah. and that's under a cause to bring judgment upon this Itself. sin yeah. in the sin of the people of Gibeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's you know, it's it's a crazy story that illustrates how far wrong things were. That actually, it got this bad. Yeah. That where that the people of Israel became as bad as the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, mm-hmm. who who were you know the the sort of famously the bad worst. people yes, in yes. the time of Abraham who yeah. were judged with, you know, uh, fire and brimstone and so forth. So, yeah. um, and that's the point. And then, you know, and then you have this story about- Which is the fallout of the of the yeah, war that right. they just fought. So, the Benjamites are, as a tribe, are, are, because Gibeah is in Benjamin, uh, the, you know, the Benjamites are almost entirely wiped out. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, they have to go through this sort of, they have to think of a way of saving this tribe mm. from extinction. And 
the way that you know that you know there's there's only some of them left they have to provide why because you know they vow that we we will never give our wives to uh to these our daughters to the to the benjamites yeah in order to marry and so now, then they're thinking but this tribe's going to go extinct there's another stupid vow that yeah. they've made yeah. that they then have to try to think of a way around to go around yep. to go around this vow so it ends up you know this this story of what seems like some kind of abduction or uh yeah. something Pillaging. like that yeah oh, Basically. it's just crazy yeah. and you've got to understand as you read this story and you think this is terrible what yes that's the whole point the whole point is to show that this is how bad it got this is how far the departure from God's what God wanted, this is how far it went. Yeah. And this is why Israel need a godly leader who is going to lead them yeah. uh, in the paths of it, the Lord. It's, it's awful. You, we're meant to, at the end of this, this is not like a series of stories that gets you excited or- you <laughs> This know. is meant to shock you. Yes. Everything yes. about these stories. Yes. And particularly- you know, to, to uh, Israelite sensibilities, especially shocking, yeah. the, the details of these stories. Yeah, especially, especially these last five chapters, this second half of the thing where there are no judges, we're meant to see this is as bad as it gets. Yeah. This is the fulfillment of the promises and the curses in the covenant. Yeah. This is the fulfillment of what Moses spoke about. Yeah. This is the fulfillment of what Joshua yeah. spoke about. This is a fulfillment, 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 fulfillment. Yeah. And so we end up, uh, you know, with Israel almost eating itself, yeah, you know, destroying itself from within, yeah, in in a in a place where you know everyone is lost, and like we said right at the beginning of the uh, of this episode and the last episode, the theme here is at the end of the book, the final verse in the book. In those days, Israel had no king, or the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. That's right. It's absolute anarchy. It's chaos, and yet. And this is the amazing thing. And you mentioned earlier that the book of Ruth uh, originally, uh, you know, um, well, very much attached to yes. this period, very much attached to this story. We know from the book of Ruth that even in the pitch darkness and bleakness of yeah. this period, God was doing something. He was preparing a lineage for the king that is going to come and draw these people, who is going to complete the conquest and is going to draw these people back, centralize the nation again around the worship of God. So, even in the darkness, God had not, even at this point, this is what the story of Ruth makes clear, yeah. even at this point, God has not abandoned his people. God is still faithful to his plan. Even during this, God is laying the foundations for the realization of that plan, the coming of the Davidic King David, who himself is going to be an ancestor of Christ. Yeah. He does this actually through the faithfulness, not of an Israelite person, but through the faithfulness of a Moabite yeah. woman, yeah. Okay, uh, whose faithfulness is something of an indictment on Israel at this time. God does it. Uh, God is faithful even when we are unfaithful that we can rely on every time a great reminder from matthew there that mercy and grace redemption is all there in god's hands and we even see that through the darkness of the book of judges i for one cannot wait 
to get into the book of Ruth to contrast this part of Israel's history. So keep on listening. Keep on subscribing. Remember to take hold of this special offer for the book Deeper Places from our dear mate Matt. And until next time, we will see you over at thrivetoday.tv. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading in the Bible as you go through it with Thrive. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all of our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. Visit ratethispodcast.com slash thrivedeeper. If you appreciate what we do and want to help us reach more people, go to ratethispodcast.com slash thrivedeeper. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper into God's Word and thrive. This was another DJP.FM production. <laughs>